You're listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. Today's reading is Luke 2, verses 15 through 20. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Stephen. Welcome, everyone. Merry Christmas Eve. You guys good? Awesome. This is the anticipation of four weeks. Today is the day of Advent that we've been looking forward to. Uh, the fourth week, which is the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Uh, I know it's, it's many people have different uh, routines, different traditions that they do throughout the holiday. Uh, I'm so glad that you guys are joining us this morning to celebrate Christmas and the birth of our Savior uh, my favorite part, first of all, my name is Samir, if I haven't had a chance to meet you. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm just grateful to be here with you. And, and really, one of the things that I love most about pastoring um, is, is not the ability to preach or to lead. Uh, it, it is really, truly the, the, the community that I get to be a part of. It's the opportunity when, when life is hard for me and my family that I can lean on friends and family that care for me and that I can do the same for others um, and we can do the same for others. And so I'm just so grateful to be a part of this community. It's such a joy for us and our family. We're so blessed and grateful. Um, I just want to also just um, reminisce on just the beauty of um, being together this morning. I, I know it's hard because we come, we come every week, but Sunday mornings are always a reminder for me of just the community that I'm surrounded around, um, and it's such a joy to be with you this morning. I want to continue our series as we close out our Advent series today. It is the fourth week. We've been anticipating this moment. We've been on a journey kind of reviewing the stories of many people coming up to the point of Jesus' birth. Uh, the first week, we talked about the lineage of Jesus and the families and the people of Jesus' story, his lineage. We talked about Abraham, Ruth, and David. And then the following week, we talked about the story of the Magi, the ones that walked the journey to find the the, the baby Jesus, to give him gifts. And then we talked about the story of Mary, his mother, uh, last week, and and how beautiful it is uh, to be centered on the certainty of Jesus and and the fact that Mary really solidified that. Uh, And this week, we're going to continue our stories and talk about the shepherds that we kind of read on a little bit already. The shepherds of this story, who are they? Uh, Why is their story significant? And how do we then respond to them? And and today is really going to culminate all four of those stories and what we've learned in the last four weeks and really cultivate that this morning. So I'm really excited to do that with you guys. 
So let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in and read that whole passage together and, and anticipate what the Lord is saying to us. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are here with us. Lord Jesus, that not only were you born um, to be on earth to, to bring salvation um, for all the souls and the people that surrender to you, Lord, but you are also eternal today and now with us in this moment. That we could experience you forever and eternity, but we can also experience you right here and now. We thank you that we can celebrate Christmas together. We can anticipate your glory, your goodness, and your life as we rejoice in the truth of who you are. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me read Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. We'll read that together. Uh, It'll be up there, but if you want to open up your Bibles or your phones, you can follow along with us. That'd be awesome. Um, Let's read this section together of scripture. It says this, starting in verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had been seen and heard, which were just as they'd been told." So I want to set this scene because this is the Christmas scene. This is the moment of the nativity. You know, see all those nativity signs everywhere, those pictures, imagery. There's one we have back there. There is an imagery happening in this moment, okay? The shepherd, there's, there's people in this scene. There's, there's people influenced. There's people around. Uh, there's context around the scene, not only in that moment, but what's happening in that region at the time. So I want to give point to some of the characters in this scene and really come back to that moment. All right, this is an important moment. Okay, first off, we hear and see the shepherds in this scene. The shepherds, uh, if you don't know, at that time, um, maybe even a little bit today, the, these people, these men were, were outcasts of society, right? They, they were isolated individuals. They were out in the mountains and taking care of sheep. Like there is no like 10 minute lunch breaks and stuff like that. And like, you know, there's no, I could go home for, like there's sheep that they have to care to or else they're scattered and they're gone. 
right? So these men were, were outcasts. They were out in the mountains. And not only that, they were very dirty at that time. Like they were known as a dirty people or the, to the point where they could not engage in the ceremonial cleansings of that time. So these were Jewish shepherds and they were not allowed to be part and take part of the traditions of the Jewish religious activities. So that's a big deal to recognize. And, and what happens is they get confronted by an angel. I don't know about you, but their response is probably what everyone's response would be, which is freak out, right? If an angel came to you, and not only that, but they were known, and they knew this of themselves, that they were outcasts, that they were dirty, that they were not cleansed to be able to come before the presence of God. But yet, God chose them to be the one where an angel appears. That's significant. Out of all the people. So that's one character. Characters of these are some men. These, these men in the, in the mountains where angel appears to them. And then we see the story of Mary. We talked about it a little bit. Who's this regular teenager. This regular teenage girl who was betrothed. And then an angel appeared to her and gave her news that will possibly threaten her marriage and her entire reputation. That she will be pregnant prior to marriage. That's a big deal. That her reputation was on the line. And not only that, her marriage was on the line. And so this is one of the characters in this scene. And then we see Joseph who's in this scene as well. Joseph is a young man, an average dude, whose fiance was found with a baby in her stomach, right? And it was not hers I mean, it was not his because they were not together in marriage yet. And so we have to understand that Joseph is hurting and understanding that, like, who is this woman with this young baby in her stomach? And I am engaged to her, but yet it's not my baby. It's kind of a scene that reminds me of, I don't know if you guys watch Maury, I've mentioned this before, where men are coming in and say, like, it's not mine, Maury, it's not mine. Right? Like, and he's probably trying to figure out, do I want to be with this woman? Because if it's not mine, how am I going to stay with her? It's kind of that scene, the tension of Joseph and, and the fear of Joseph. And, and not only is that true that he's not sure if he's going to continue being with this woman as his fiance to be married to her, but his reputation is also on the line in this community. And then we see the people, we don't see them in this story, but in the context surrounding them is the people of Israel, the people of Jerusalem, the people of that area, all of Israel. They are feeling the tension of the Roman occupation, the anticipation of the Messiah that they're waiting for to save them and to redeem them from this occupation. There is this waiting. There is this tension happening in this scene, in this moment, throughout that region. And then there is a Roman king named Herod, where he is angry that he heard about this baby Jew that's going to be the king of the Jews, is going to come and dethrone him. He has this fear of this, so much so that he creates a census to the point where he says every young boy aged two or younger is to be killed. 
So if we kind of just take point in that reality of the context of this scene, there's absolute chaos. Not only around them, but internally in each individual. Whether that's the shepherds that were addressed by this angel, they were freaking out. Or whether it's just the intentional scene and the context that's around them where people are waiting and anticipating the coming Messiah to save them from this chaos. And there's people going around house to house killing two-year-old younger boys. This is insane. This moment. This is a people and a scene that is encountering chaos, confusion, fear, anxiety, and all of that leading to this one moment. To this one moment. That this baby is at the center of this moment. And a lot of these people are in the room with all the emotions, with all the baggage, with all the fears, with all the concerns that are in their hearts and in their souls and they're surrounding around this baby. And I can just imagine or envision myself in that scene and just pausing, eyes fixed on this baby. Awe and wonder that is upon them. That in the midst of the chaos around them, there is a moment of rest in the room. There's a moment of awe and and pause in the room where there's a peace upon them that's beyond their understanding because it's not the circumstance that brought the peace. It's this baby. Why? How, How is this rest possible in the midst of the chaos? The only thing that's common around this whole scene, the only thing that's similar to everyone's scenario is the fact that there is a baby in the midst of them. Jesus is born. Jesus is born. The gift that everyone has been waiting for, the Messiah has come. He is born. Things will be made right. Such a moment of history that changes all things. So as we meditate in this Christmas season, let us pursue this same true rest that these people in this scene experienced in the midst of their chaos they found rest because there was a baby born Jesus they encountered Jesus even in the midst of their chaos so for us the question is how do we find this rest so our big idea for today is this to experience rest is to engage in Jesus. To experience rest is to engage in Jesus. So what do I mean by this? What does this mean? Experiencing true rest, which, let's be honest, we all crave and desire and need for various different reasons, right? See, we must first experience Three necessary ingredients to be able to experience this true rest that we can find in Jesus. What are these three things? And they were the first three of the series that we went through. The first three major things that we addressed and discussed. These are the three main ingredients in order to really experience true rest. The first one is hope. 
There's hope that's assured, this hope that is confident. And then there's fulfillment, true satisfaction. There's certainty and confidence in this fact. So if we can experience those three things, we can experience the embodiment of true rest. So how do we do that? Right? Those, those sound good. Sure. What does that mean? First, we engage Jesus. The same way that these people engaged Jesus, they came around and surrounded the baby Jesus. They engaged him. They encountered him. They were with him. They experienced this true rest. And may our affections, our meditations, our praise be for him and him alone. So we engage rest by engaging Jesus because first and foremost, Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. We saw it in Luke 2, verse 10. We just read it. I'm going to read it one more time. That verse, verse 10. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For all people. You see, this announcement wasn't merely about the birth of a child. It was about the arrival of hope for all of humanity. In Jesus, the promised Messiah, our hope is realized in his birth, in his coming. He brings good news. He brings great joy and extends this promise to all of humanity, to all the people. We know that now and say, yeah, of course, to all humanity. But in this moment, that's a big deal. Offering hope that transcends all of our circumstances, that transcends all of their circumstances, all of the chaos they were in, Jesus' hope transcends it all and brings lasting peace for the troubled hearts, for those in need. See, there is such thing as false hope, and I'm not talking about false hope or hope that is just um, wishful thinking. Talking about true, long-lasting hope. See, some example of false hope or wishful thinking really is the hope of those Dallas Cowboy fans who hope every season, before the season starts, that they would win a Super Bowl. They have hope. They hope so much. Or maybe even now, just a playoff game. Would they win a playoff game? And every single year, every single year, their hopes are crushed. They're crushed because it's wishful thinking. It's wishful thinking. See, that's not the kind of hope we're talking about. We're not talking about a, man, I hope one day. You see, I'm talking, I'm making fun of the Cowboys fans, but really it's all fans, right? All sports, like it's, it's wishful thinking. They fall short. It all falls short. Everything that we hope for in this world will fall short. See, the example of unending hope that that Jesus provides is only in him. This everlasting truth, this everlasting rest, this everlasting outcome. This assurance, see, because his hope is assurance. Assurance is a confidence that we know it will happen. There is no question about it. We're just anticipating and waiting for the day. That's the kind of hope that we're talking about. 
hope because of this. I love how Paul puts this. Because of this truth, we have this hope because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we have done. In Titus 3, 4 through 7, it's a beautiful picture of why we have this hope. Paul says this, he says, when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteousness, the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, because his grace made us right in his sight. His grace made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is the hope. The confidence and assurance that we will have eternal life is assured. That's the kind of hope that we're talking about, that we find only, only in Jesus. There is no other hope like it. There is no other hope like it. The rest is wishful thinking, and maybe, we'll see. This is assurance. And only engaging in Jesus is this possible. Only engaging in the true Messiah is this hope possible. So Jesus is our hope. The next element we must grasp in order to attain true rest is that Jesus is our hope, but he's also our fulfillment. Jesus is our fulfillment, right? We see in Luke 2.11, just the next verse, it says, Today, in the city of David, this is the angel speaking, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This is the Messiah, the Lord, the one that's going to come save the whole scenario for everyone, has come. These shepherds, they know what he's talking about. See, this proclamation signifies the fulfillment of an ancient prophecy and promise. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, this was promised to us and to the people. Jesus is the embodiment of God's fulfillment. A savior sent specifically for us, for each and every one of us. In him, we find the completion of God's redemptive plan. The answer to our deepest needs and the fulfillment of every longing heart. Only he fulfills. You see, unlike Christmas morning gifts under the tree that are exciting for a day, maybe a week, maybe kids lucky, maybe a, a month if it's a good gift, and it fizzles away and it no longer fulfills. And then the search is the next thing, or the next thing, or the next thing. It does not fulfill. The things of this world, the things that we run after do not fulfill us here. The fulfillment and the satisfaction that is eternal is in Jesus, and he fully satisfies our needs, our soul, our longings. I remember a season in my life Many of us, 2020 was one of the hardest years. I know for us and our family, 2020 was probably the hardest year of our life. Where 
I've shared this before on the stage, but it felt like everything was being taken from us. It felt like everything was that we've been working for, all the things that we thought will fulfill our souls, that we thought will fulfill our life was being taken away from us, where we planted a church and it was then dissolved and gone, that we, we felt called or I felt called to pastor and my identity then felt crushed and it felt like I was missing something if it was gone. Right, really, just in a snap of a finger, and the health of our oldest baby boy, baby girl, was 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 hurting, was at risk. The things that I thought would satisfy me in my life, the things that I thought would bring me great joy, fell short in a snap of a finger. And all that I was having left, all the things that I had left for me, was the comfort that I had in Jesus was the hope that I have in being near to the creator of my very being. The one who made me and knows me more than anyone could ever know me. In that moment where I leaned in to him and said, God, I don't know how hard it was to even want to lean on him after all of that. But yet his comfort was unmatched. His fulfillment was unmatched. Not that they were all easy days, but that they were days of true hope that I can look to this promise that we just talked about. That he is with me in the midst of my hurting and my broken. He is with me in the midst of my chaos and my uncertainty. That true fulfillment was only found in him. And I want to encourage you, family, if you have experienced those seasons and you leaned on him, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you have not yet done that or been in those seasons, I would encourage you, when those seasons arise, there is nothing in this world that will satisfy you. No matter what you search or run after, it will fall short. Only he will comfort your soul because he provides a true fulfillment a confidence and a hope that only he can give. That's our eternal souls being near to him forever. So engaging in Jesus brings us fulfillment like no other. This is a fact. See, he is our hope. He is our fulfillment. And third, so that we can find true rest, is that Jesus is our certainty. Jesus is our certainty. Luke 2, 16, it says this, right? They hurried off and found both, G, both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. You see the shepherds here, upon finding Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, they discovered the certainty of the angel's words. They gave these words that the hope of the world has come, the Messiah has come, and they had to just believe the angel by his word. But when they came and ran to the house and they found the baby in that scene, in that moment, there was a certainty that came upon them. A confidence that came upon them. This encounter solidified their faith, solidified that moment 
Jesus' presence provided tangible evidence of God's faithfulness and certainty of his promises. In a humble manger, a feeding trough, it probably stunk bad. But in that moment, the humble baby Jesus, they found the certainty of God's plan unfolding exactly how they were foretold, exactly how it was prophesied thousands of years prior. See, this is a certainty that breeds all the confidence in the world, all the confidence that no matter how good or how hard life is or will be, there is a steadiness and a security that the creator of the universe came down in the flesh to be with his people. What great certainty that is. What other faith can say this? That their God came in the flesh to be with his people. That he was in the flesh just like our flesh. To be amongst us. To know us deeply. To love us well. To sacrifice his life so that we can live and be near to him. So that he can love, save the hurting and the broken and be near to him. So now to wrap it all together and close it with a practical response this Christmas season. So fourth and final point is that we can now rest in Jesus as our hope, fulfillment, and certainty. That we can now find rest in Jesus as our hope, fulfillment, and certainty. Let's look at Mary and the shepherd's response at the end of this section to really give the heart of our response now in this Christmas season. How they responded should be something similar to how we respond in this truth Verse 19 and 20 says this. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds then returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Mary treasured, pondered, and meditated on these events in her heart. The shepherds, having witnessed the fulfillment of the angelic message, returned glorifying and praising God. See, in these responses, we witness an engagement with the rest that they found in Jesus. By treasuring and meditating on his presence and promises, and by glorifying and praising God for his faithfulness. That he did it. That he's here. He is with us. He is faithful to do it. And they actively, they actively engaged in the rest that Jesus offers to them. The rest that comes from placing our hope and fulfillment and certainty in him and him alone. That we don't have hope in the things that will fall short. That we don't have fulfillment in the things that will not satisfy. And that there is no confidence and certainty in the things that will actually fail us. But only in Jesus are those things possible. There we can find true rest. See, I want to encourage us to engage rest during this Christmas season. 
during this Christmas week. See, for the believer, for those that would say, you believe in Jesus, you believe in the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus and his ascended Holy Spirit upon you, if you believe that that is you and that you are followers of Jesus, I want to say this, I want to say he now overflows through you the embodiment of his rest. He overflows through you what this means in your life. That worshiping him, just like we were earlier and we're going to do again, and throughout your day-to-day life, worshiping him is rest. That being with his people, just like we are in this moment, just like you will throughout the week, just like you will if you're a part of a group or even at home with your family, worshiping and being with his people is rest because he is with you. Serving him is rest. Being with him because he is with you is rest. And so as you are opening gifts or you're watching your children open up gifts this evening or tomorrow and every gift that is opened, I want to encourage you, when you see those gifts being unwrapped, be reminded that the rest that is found in Jesus is the greatest gift you will ever receive. That every gift that is unwrapped is a moment of rest for you to pause with gratitude. That pause with that moment of thank you, Lord, because you are a greater gift. You are the greatest gift that brings me rest, the rest I've been craving and needing. Not only will that true rest happen when you come back or that when I will come and see you, but rather that true rest is here and now because you are here now with us even in the midst of our chaos, even in the midst of the hurting and the broken. Or for the one that is still seeking to understand who this Jesus is, if that's you, I want to say that Jesus opens his arms of rest towards you. That Jesus understands you. He understands your hurts. He understands your needs. And he desires to be with you And to be the hope, the fulfillment, and the certainty that you have been longing for your whole life. He desires to be near to you. He loves you and forgives you no matter how far off you think you have gone astray. He is the greatest gift this season. Will you be near to him as he desires to be near to you? He desires to bring you rest. He says, come and I will give you rest. I want to read his words, just like how he said them, from Matthew 11, 28 and 29, and we'll close. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, let us embrace the rest that he offers by engaging in the hope, in the fulfillment, and in the certainty that is found only in him. May we treasure his presence in our lives 
meditate on his word and glorify him in all that we do. Let the, let the assurance of his promises bring peace and rest to our souls as we actively engage the rest that only Jesus himself can provide. So as you gather around the family this evening or tomorrow morning, as you're gathered around the moment of opening gifts, I just want you to envision that moment when these people, these misfits, these young kids, these shepherds just came around and gathered around the greatest gift that was ever given in all of history, baby Jesus. Just envision that moment as every gift is opened and may we rejoice in the rest that only he can provide this Christmas season. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you came as a baby in the flesh, just like us. God in the flesh. God with us. What great joy that is. That not only is that true for a certain people group, it is true for all of humanity. That you came to save us. That you came to be with us. That you came near to us. And in this Christmas season, we celebrate your coming. We celebrate you being near. We celebrate the rest you have given us because of the hope, because of the fulfillment, because of the certainty that's only true and only possible because of you coming, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that, Lord. We praise you. And as we, as we celebrate this season, as we rejoice in this season, as we open gifts in this season, may we never forget the greatest gift that was given. That is in you, Jesus. Our true rest. Our true hope. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we celebrate you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 11011 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at StoryCityGH or online at StoryCityChurch.com. Go and be the church.